You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Well, I'm doing double duty today. I'm not only the announcer and the uh, producer. Actually, I'm doing triple duty, the the, uh, announcer and the producer of the show. But I'm also filling in for Rick, who couldn't be here today. He had to go. He's got some friend of his who's in the hospital, I believe, and so... We gave him the afternoon off to go take care of some that business. We wish him well and his friend, and uh, we'll ably try and fill in for his large shoes here today. Rick does a great job uh, finding and locating and talking to businesses just like yours all across the country. The idea is maybe we can learn from the experiences of others. Hey, there's a novel idea. We don't have to go through it all ourselves. So in that regard, Rick is always looking for the uh, examples of uh, peer learning, as he calls it, or CEO peer groups, which is what he puts together. Uh, Rick has written a book on the subject, is a well-known author on CEO peer groups and the power of businesses coming together to mastermind and collaborate. And part of that process is just talking to other businesses and seeing what's working and what's not working. So today we're privileged to have with us uh, another unique example. Every time I produce this show, I think, well, they must going to start repeating businesses. We must hear the same answers over and over again. And they're always finding unique businesses across the country. And therefore, I'm always learning something new today here. Today, we have the privilege of uh, talking with uh, Steve. And I'm going to say the name, and I may say it wrong here, so I'll have him correct me. Is it Facenda? Is that how you say your name, Steve? Facenda, yes. And some of your listeners may know that last name from a famous uh, newscaster and person who voiced uh, NFL films for quite a uh, many years in the 70s and 80s. Really? Are you related to that person? Distantly, I am, yes. Because that's not a normal, uh, it's not a normal name. It's an <laughs> abnormal name. No, I mean, it's not a name, a common name. That's the word I was yeah, struggling no, to it's find an here. It's Italian last name, and it's, um, uh, I, I guess, a soft Italian last name. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry you didn't get a chance to talk to Rick Franzi, because he's as Italian as they come here, I'm trying to tell you here. I'll try and fill in. I'm just a good Irish Catholic here, so... Um, well, tell us about your business. You're the president of Via Mark Advertising well, in Philadelphia. And at first, as I looked at the material, I thought, okay, another ad agency. And I thought, wow, this is totally different than any kind of ad agency I've ever read about. So fill us in. We, we are a little different. The, the name of the agency is actually Via Mark Advertising. Okay. So you can think of it like Viagra, but we don't do the same thing. Viagra, you remember it's Viamark. You must know my age here. You must know I'm 56 here to, to well, use that as the target here, right? Not too far away from you on the uh, south side of that. Um, we're a full-service advertising agency helping uh, businesses who are targeting consumers. So we do business-to-consumer advertising using uh, radio, television, and billboard. So more traditional, not uh, not like some of other agencies uh, in today's world, but a little bit more social media. We we stick in the traditional world. Okay. Um, and we'll do everything from the creation of the campaign uh, to the uh, production of the commercials to the media buying and then the reconciliation at the end of the campaign. Okay. But what makes us different, which I think your listeners might find interesting, is Viamark is a franchise, and it's very unusual to hear that uh in uh, the advertising, yeah. Field. How do you franchise creative <laughs> services here? Yeah. Well, what's 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 great about it is, it was I own the Philadelphia office. There are twelve offices up and down the East Coast, from South Carolina all the way up to Boston, Massachusetts. And behind all twelve offices, there's a creative team: billboard, uh, creative production for radio, television, graphic design, SEO, pay-per-click, and we also have a creative services director. And the, these, uh, this director and this team is shared over all 12 offices. So I don't have a payroll of all these individual specialties, but a team that I can pull in uh, when I need them. And hmm. what's nice about that is basically what I do is I find out what the client's needs are, put the team together, and then pay as I go with this creative team behind me. So would it be fair to say you're more of a... You're almost like kind of an account executive. You pull, you, you go to the client and say, what is it you need? And then you pull together the team and oversee it. Right, exactly. And, and you know, with good questions, interviewing the client, making sure I understand the goals and the challenges of the client. And then through the knowledge, I've been in the broadcasting business. Prior to owning this, I was in the radio business ah, on the okay. sales side, uh, general sales manager for a couple of Philadelphia radio stations. Prior to that, I was uh, selling. So I understand the broadcasting business. I understand how to negotiate um, 
media buys, mm-hmm. kind of work my way inside and out of a TV and radio station. But creative is where uh, you know, creative is where it's at when you're looking at advertising. It's pretty easy to media buy, but is the message that you're giving to your consumer is it going to pull them into your store, call a number, use your service? And that really is predicated on very good creative. And the team that I have is very, very good. Now, where is the team? Is it one team for all the franchises? So they sort of have creative directors, art directors, right? people like that, uh, traditional uh, that would traditionally be sitting in an ad agency. They're sitting somewhere, and then all the franchisees can draw upon that pool of right. talent? That's how it works. The team is in North Carolina. Um, so for all of my uh, needs, this team, I, I call on this team, teleconference the team. Now, one might say, well, what if you had um, you had to film on location in Philadelphia? Not, not a problem. I'll use someone up here in the Philadelphia area, do what they call B-roll if we're doing a television commercial, and then just ship that down to North Carolina, and they'll put the whole commercial together. So it's quite systematic. It's very easy, um, and it's been a huge, huge benefit for me. When I decided to open up uh, this franchise in 2008, you know, I knew that I could, um, I knew that I could media buy. I knew that I, I knew the, uh, in working, inner workings of a radio and TV station, uh, I could negotiate rates. That's not a problem. But what I couldn't do is come up with good creative. And if, if I went on my own, I would have to make arrangements with production houses, maybe in Philadelphia or other markets, to give me the creative and produce the creative. But I would be a small P in their, you know, yeah, of clients. Here we have a dedicated team behind all of the franchises that gives good creative, very cost effectively, on time, and it works for our clients. So, well, you've you've really uh, captured my imagination because I'll I'll disclose that prior to creating this internet radio station, I too was in broadcasting. I worked as a DJ and variety of markets, the last of which was Norfolk, Virginia. Had to learn to say Norfolk and not laugh, but <laughs> that's how they say it. Anyway, um, and uh, I also then after that, for a number of years, worked in uh, public relations and through that kind of marketing, you know, working with clients, small to mid-sized businesses that didn't really have an in-house marketing person, and I tried to be more than just the PR person. I tried to pull together kind of what you're talking about, projects. You know, what do you need? You need brochures, you need a radio ad, you need a TV spot, you need a, a newspaper commercial, and they were going to lots of little independent vendors. I think they still do for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. And what happens is there's no coordination. So you've got the ad looks, I don't know, it's all about price, and so it looks like, well, this must be a discount house or something here, and then the brochure looks like, it's uh, Tiffany's or something, you know, uh, it looks very high-end and right. and expensive. And then the radio commercial is fun and goofy and, hey, come on out. And, you, and you've got these different messages that you're sending out because there was nobody coordinating all that. Right. That's, that is a, a great example of, of how you need a, a streamlined message through all the a- advertising avenues that you're using, whether it's Facebook or your television yeah, or your commercial. Absolutely. And branding is so important. That's the buzzword of the of the decade here. But branding really part of it entails consistency of message. You can't if if you confuse the customer, you lose the customer, I always said. And so in this case you've got one person in in your situation in Philadelphia, it'd be you, to to sit down with the client and do all that kind of strategic thinking. Where are we going? What are we trying to say? What do we do? And then you go out and find the best way to create that forum and a cost-effective program, it sounds that's, like. That's correct. One thing that I, I love to do, and, and which are uh, jingles and <laughs> sounders, because people remember the lyrics to a song more so than they would ever remember the spoken word. Isn't that about true? All the songs that you know in your head that you didn't even care to remember the words to. So jingles and sounders, sounders are just positioning statements saying maybe a bunch of words differently or crazy or in a strange way. Mm-hmm. Jingle, of course, is typical that we all know. They work incredibly well to get the today buyer and the tomorrow buyer hmm. if for your product. And I'm thinking of all the TV shows and TV commercials that I still remember as a child. I can't get them out of my head here. Yeah. And if, this is another interesting point, too, with jingles. When you, a lot of folks, when they're watching television, they're also on their iPad. Oh yeah, they're on their iPhone. 
you can turn your eyes to your iPad or your iPhone, but you cannot turn your ears off. Hmm. And that's where jingles come in when the commercials are playing in the background. You can still hear the De Beers Diamond commercial. It has hmm. a beautiful score of music. And I play this in my office. My assistant came in just hearing, because uh, sometimes I play piano music in my office. Mm-hmm. My assistant heard it and said, that's the Diamond commercial song, <laughs> isn't it? Instantly he knew that. So, I'm a jazz fan, and I always love the uh, jazz opening uh, to uh, Charlie Brown, all the Charlie Brown uh, commercials. Sure. It's a famous piece of jazz music that they use. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you get these things ingrained in your head. And it's interesting because one of the things we've seen in with Internet radio, more so than traditional radio, is that it is a um, medium that fits well in this multitasking world. And by that I mean... We get a certain amount of listeners live to each one of these shows, but it pales in comparison to the number of people who download and listen to it later as a traditional podcast when they're probably also working on their computer, working out at the gym, riding along in their car, doing something. They're, they're playing this while they're doing something else because you can multitask while listening, whereas watching a video or reading something, you got to stop. Right. I am that person you, you just described. Hmm, fascinating. So, how did you get? How did you make the transition from mainstream media, from traditional uh, radio sales in a big major market, to being your own ad agency huh. here? Well, I, walk us through that transition I'm gonna, now, here. I'm, I'm going to share something with you and your audience, and, and I, don't, I don't know them, but I will tell you. It, <laughs> I went to. Uh, Psychotherapy to get get. To <laughs> Didn't we all at some point in time, particularly over the last ten years? Oh my God, what's going wrong here? <laughs> well, I, and this is a true story. I went to psychotherapy to get what I get off what I called the crack pipe of money. <laughs> and in the radio business, as you may know, since you said you were an idiot, yeah. When I was fairly high up on the food chain, and you make a lot of money. I mean, there is incredible amounts. Of money. No but question. The pressure. And some of the owners of these radio companies, I think, are certifiably crazy because they always want more and more and more. And I get that in the business world, but sometimes it's a little outrageous. I, I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And around when I turned 40, I thought, I don't want my boss's job, and I don't want my boss's boss's job. And I don't want my boss's uh, heart attack that's coming or his ulcer that comes with it here, yeah. So I honestly went to psychotherapy to to talk about how, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And this therapist was wonderful. He said, look, you can sail into your 50s and chase the money. There's a lot of people chase the money. Absolutely. Or you can figure out what you want to do, what makes you happy, and then the money will come to you. And that is so true. And that's that's kind of how I made the transition. I did get a business coach to help me, um, from a business standpoint, find out what the next move for me mm-hmm. would be. Um, so wow, I'm, you're I'm, you're uh, you're singing our tune here. We're we're going to come back and talk more about this, but we're going to take a quick commercial to pay our bills. We, we do have to chase a little bit of money once in a while here. <laughs> so let's come back and we're going to talk to you about uh, that transition and hiring a business coach. Because in fact, the show after this one is about business coaching. So you may find it interesting to hang around and listen to this show, or, or for those listening, this is going to segue perfectly into that. Stick around. We'll be right back with our guest. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. 
We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. You're listening to Orange County's only community radio, octalkradio.net. That's us, and we're back with Steve Facenda from, make sure I say it right, <laughs> Viamark? Like, yes. like Viagra. Okay, so, that's, there you, so go. you got that uh, you got that connection in my head here. No and, one forgets it. And we're talking about his transition from traditional uh, radio sales to running his own advertising agency. I'll tell you before we get into this, um, I don't know if you recognize the voice of our other announcer there, but that is actually Charlie Bennett, who was the voice of uh, um, NBC News in Philadelphia for many years. Okay. All right. Yeah, and, it sounded familiar. And uh, the, um, we stumbled onto him uh, through an Internet site where there's lots of voiceover talent. We were looking for somebody with that kind of traditional big market voice, mm-hmm. and we hired him to do our you know, little station IDs here. So he does all our station ID work, and he still lives in Philadelphia, and here we are in Southern California. And for much the same reason I suggest, I'm kind of thinking you got into. He he had the big career and was the station announcer and did all sorts of stuff and worked well, and now he's in his, oh, he's probably in his 60s, mid-60s or something. And he's taking life a little slower and doing stuff a little more that he wants to do, and so he does a lot of freelance uh, voiceover work now rather than the grind of, you know, the regular paycheck. I'm sure he doesn't make as much money as he used to, but he's a happier guy. Right. Uh, probably. So talk about your transition. How did you get – I'm particularly interested in this idea of business coaching. I will confess that a couple of years ago when we started this station and we started going out to find – shows to talk about it and we met a guy locally who was the president of the local international coach federation which is an international organization that accreditates um, both life coaches and business coaches personal coaches and business coaches in other words and he intrigued us and we ended up talking about developing a show and it's become one of our more popular ones uh, on right after this show every thursday at uh, 4 p.m pacific here and he talks all the time about business coaching, and I never heard of such a thing. In all my 30 years of business, I never knew anybody went to the coach. That, that, seemed, that would somehow seem like you're in a slump or you, no. you, you, know, you need help or you, you would do that quietly. Would, you know, would your boss be happy if he found out you were at a business coach? How did you discover that, and what was it like for you? Well, interestingly, um, as an executive at the radio company that I was working for, we had executive coaches. Ah. We had business coaches. And you were allowed to say whatever you wanted to this particular coach. It was the code of silence between you and the coach. Yeah, right. That's what we thought. And, and, and I believe that to be true. So the coach that I had, I explained that I was feeling this way. I think I want to leave the company. I'm not sure what I want to do. And she smartly said, let me give you a name of a business coach. Obviously, she couldn't coach me because... Yeah, she's working for the company. Yeah, I right. That wouldn't be coach you out of a job here. Yeah. Right. So she gave me the name of this business coach, and uh, interestingly, the coach was not in Philadelphia. It was uh, a gentleman in Syracuse, New York. Mm-hmm. He would have month, uh, weekly calls, and he would really push me to open up my eyes to think about anything that I want to do or maybe wanted to do. I've always, I always wanted to be a weatherman. I, mm-hmm. that's what I, mean. I, had, I had fantasies of that myself one day here, but I found <laughs> out I'm too tall and I have a beard, right? Well, we went on the road to say, well, why can't you be a weatherman? And then we, uh, the obvious reasons came up, my age and so forth and so on. But what, what, one of the things that he did, which I really, really enjoyed, was it was 2008, and he said, please write me a letter dated five years into the future, mm. 2013, so which really is next year. 
and in that letter describe the lifestyle that you have not necessarily what you're doing for a living but the kind of lifestyle so I did that, and I, I can't wait to to read the letter again next year. Yeah, it'll be good. so you've put that away in a safe, and now yeah. you get to go look at it here. I, yeah, I have it. And basically, through that letter, we kind of learned that uh, owning a business that was a 9-to-5 business or a retail brick-and-mortar business would not be right for me. Mm-hmm. Because I want a business where I can travel and work from a laptop wherever I want, whenever I want. However. Right. You don't want to be stuck uh, opening the store at 9 and closing right. it at 5 here. Right. And that's good to, to do that self-evaluation, to find out what kind of person you are. So the, he took me through many ex- exercises, and at the end, uh, he introduced me to uh, some folks at Viamark that he knew through a networking uh, that he had done. And that's how I got introduced to Viamark, and it really seemed to work out well. Interesting. So he actually helped you find something and then actually uh, gave you an introduction that turned out to work for you here. Right. It turned out to work, yeah. So I, I am a big believer in we don't know everything individually, so go out and get the help that you need. If it's a business coach or a psychotherapist or a trainer, if you want to get your body in Right. Well, and that is the premise of this particular uh, hour that we spend here each week, which is learning from others. Uh, it's no secret this show is sponsored by uh, Renaissance uh, Executive Forums, which is one of several leading CEO peer groups, basically, for want of a word. Uh, you know, uh, n- uh, more than networking, where you actually get together in a confidential setting with, with peers in similar-sized businesses, and you try and... Open up and say, here's what I'm scared of. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm thinking of. Here's what I'm discussing. And then the group becomes your board of advisors, basically. They have no stake in the enterprise. They just are there because they want to help others and hope they'll get the same in return here. That's great. That's a beautiful concept. Well, you know, you're singing to the choir here because we've all uh, seen this. I, I went through kind of a similar experience trying to transition. I got out of radio long time ago, 20-some years ago, and then got into PR and marketing stuff, and I went through a downturn in the economy uh, several years ago where all my clients were just laying me off and saying, we just, we're cutting back on all this stuff, and in my 50s, well, what can I do? And I did join a peer group and uh, ended up uh, brainstorming, why don't you go back to your original roots, but not so much in traditional radio, in in this new wave of Internet-based medium, and that's right. how this thing was born. So it's amazing how that process, it may seem like like therapy or like group brainstorming or all these different variations on a theme. You feel like you're getting nowhere, and you're like, why am I doing this? Why don't you stick in there, hang in there, and eventually you start to see the light and some things become clear that, that you want to focus on and pursue. It's, I, I always like to tell this quick, quickie little story. Mm-hmm. I opened up my business in... September of 2008. Mm-hmm. Two weeks after I opened it up, the Wall Street Journal headline, Worst Recession Since the Depression <laughs> with No End in Sight. Yeah. I said, oh, my God, I quit my job, and here I'm opening an advertising agency. <laughs> yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah. But just what you said a moment ago, you have to stick with it and believe in yourself, and everything will be okay. You have to. Um, and it's interesting because traditional radio, had you stayed with it or had I stayed with it, it's going through a tremendous upheaval. I don't know what radio is going to look like on the other side, but we all know that that um, uh, what's the big chain that bought uh, nearly all the stations, Clear Channel, Clear Channel. Mm-hmm. and they bought all these stations up, and they thought they could program them from one central location and save money and 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 research this thing to death, and they basically have the same playlist from market to market to market. And that crashed and burned. Indeed it did, and that's all. I could talk for hours about that. And how they really gutted the local personalities of these stations, and now all of a sudden they're trying to recreate these stations as something meaningful in the community after really just turning them into sort of Muzak, in my opinion. The same thing you go from, you know, if I'm just going to listen to songs, then why don't I subscribe to Sirius XM or one of the satellite channels, and then I can get hundreds, thousands of channels here. I don't have to just stick to your limited playlist. If you're not offering local news, local personalities, local information, and all that, or Pandora, Pandora is free. Yeah, right, exactly, and and so that notion of nationwide music service, where you go from market to market, has been usurped by much better by the internet, and they're left having to recreate what is the purpose of a radio station? Um, is it is it just to play music in your car? Hey, there's other choices now. And you're absolutely right. It's a whole other topic. 
Well, and and so you know something you think is going to be your life's work may change whether you want it to or not. Uh, the world changes. I was watching something else on PBS a while ago, and they were talking about how life isn't linear anymore. We used to go to school, graduate, get married, start a family, and start a career, and then you retired and you died. Just you know, it was the beginning, middle, and end of a story here. That story now is getting rewound a couple times. People are getting remarried again, having children again, uh, starting second careers again. They're living to be a hundred, and so what am I going to do when I'm sixty, seventy, eighty? You know, uh, it's it's amazing. We're having to reimagine ourselves and recreate ourselves. And maybe it isn't just one storyline we live. Maybe we live several storylines. But make it your own storyline. Yes. It, make it an enjoyable life. That's yes. important. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, um, I want to get into uh, some of this talk about uh, what you've learned in your business. Um, what guiding principle keeps you going in this? And uh, what painful lessons you've uncovered through this journey here? But we got to pay the bills one more time here. So stick with me. And we'll be right back with more of this uh, interesting discussion here on Critical Mass, Coast to Coast. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Okay, we're back with uh, Steve uh, Facenda. I always want to say it differently, but it's the way it looks, right? Exactly. President of Viamark, Viagra, Viamark Advertising here. (laughs) To keep pounding that, uh, what do they call that? There's a word for that when you associate words together like that. Um, what we want to talk about in this uh, second half of the show here is we've got about uh, 15, 20 minutes left. The, the, let's get into the meat of the, the matter here. You know, you opened a business at probably the worst time you could imagine, <laughs> particularly in advertising businesses. Everybody's cutting back on advertising. Sales are down. What's the first thing to get rid of? Let's stop advertising here. We don't need new brochures. We don't need new creative. We, we need new customers. Uh, what was what did you run into that that you didn't expect, and what how did you handle some of those challenges? Well, in 2009, when I really started the business, I opened up in September of 08, and of course, 2009 was the first real year. It, talking to prospects was like talking to an ice cube because, if you recall, everybody was frozen. Yeah, nobody was going to make a move to do anything. Talk to me in six months, yeah. Right, and, you know, you open up a business, and, and again, I had I didn't have what they call a jump-off client. I didn't have, I'm leaving radio, and I'm going to take this client with me. I started from zero. Wow. Which, thank goodness I had money in the bank, because 2009 was a tough year. Right. All right now, are you married? Do you have a family? That you I, have, I, I have a partner who uh, does work, so that did help, and we don't have any children. Right. Um, so that, that was helpful, but... You know, you still want to make sure that you have enough money. I did have a reserve uh, to start this business. I actually took out, a, well, not took out, I gave the business $100,000 to mm. run the business and run my expenses and so forth. And I only missed my mark by $20,000, which hmm. is not terrible. No. That's pretty good uh, considering the snowball that was thrown at me. Yeah. Um, but what I used, in, in my field, what I used for prospecting was LinkedIn. Because ah, I interesting. Knew, okay. I knew that if, if somebody could refer me into an account, I would have a much better opportunity of getting in front of the prospect than if I cold called the account. Because mm-hmm. if I cold called the account, I'm just some other agency guy trying to get in there saying the same thing that everyone else yep. does. But if, 
having someone saying, hey, you know what, you really should check Facenda out. He knows what he's talking about. And if you're looking for an agency, you're looking for marketing help, he's the guy you should talk to. And that got me through 2009. And, and I did land uh, a decent amount of accounts in 2009 and, you know, enough to get me by. Mm -hmm. 2010 rolled on and it was a real growth year. And 2011 was a fantastic year. And this year we're about 15% ahead of last year. Fantastic. And three people this year. Wow, you're, you're part of the recovery here. Yeah, well, so when they say small business owners uh, do hire people, that is certainly true in this case. There's three employees here, one of which came off the unemployment uh, ranks. So. And do you um, have an office now, or are you still a virtual business? Are you well, operating we, all in different locations? Because the franchise is sort of a, gives you the ability, a virtual back end that you don't have to pay for. Right. Well, well, I mean, you don't have to pay for in the traditional sense of housing them and providing salaries and all that. Yeah. Interesting question. When I first opened up the business in 0809, I did have a shared office system where you would share a, um, a receptionist and shared services mm -hmm. and so forth in a nice building with a good address. No one ever came to see me. I don't, <laughs> the only people that ever came to see me were radio and TV reps. And <laughs> Trying to like, sell you I, stuff, yeah. <laughs> I could meet them at Starbucks. I don't really need to spend this money. So right. over the course of a year, it was about, I don't know, about twelve dollars to $14,000 investment in, in rental, in office rental space. So I moved my operation to my home. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, the three, now we're four people, we all work centrally out of this home, and then we... They also can have satellite offices at their particular homes. We always go out to the client. They never uh, come to us. So it's never been an issue not having a conference room or boardroom structured. I like to run lean and mean so I can make investments in people and, and equipment rather than paying rents or paying salaries of creative services directors and all these other yep, things. So I'm with you. I, I don't know why more people don't do it. I suspect there are more and more. Um, when, when I had a PR firm many, many years ago, back in the 80s, uh, we had offices up on Sunset Boulevard, so we did celebrities and other things. And bit by bit, we downsized, and eventually um, I, was, I was a home-based worker. I was a uh, home-based business you know, back in the early 90s when that was embarrassing. You had to hide the fact. Somehow you were, well, you couldn't be very successful if you didn't have a big front. Right. Uh, and yet people began to realize who's paying for that. Somebody's paying for that. You're absolutely right. We pass all these savings on to the client when it comes to creative. So our creative is incredibly um, efficient and, and, and priced at, at, uh, affordably, and it looks like it's national creative. So that's what's and that's been the struggle with ad agencies. That's why they started consolidating, in my experience, starting back in the 80s and 90s and continuing up to this day, because the cost of keeping a creative, talented group of individuals is enormous. And you can't always pay for them. So I've seen ad agencies, um, just like PR agencies, where they have people sitting in the back room and there's nothing to do. And yet you don't want to get rid of them because you need that talent that they have for maybe not today's client, but tomorrow's client, that next client. And so you're caught in that catch-22. Do I retain, do I get a team and keep it in place, or do I assemble a team only when necessary? And there's more freelancers than ever before because so many ad agencies are consolidated and laid off people and tons of freelance talent out there. But then it goes back to the question again of, uh, okay, we, we've we've totally split up the creative community into a bunch of freelancers, and yes, you can find them at really reasonable prices on the internet, here and there. But who coordinates all this stuff? Right. That's you said that before. That's an excellent point. For me to grow this enterprise, I need administrative mm -hmm. for here, which I have, and the other two are salespeople. That's how you grow the the uh, your enterprise. I always say if if the owner or the CEO is not the uh, CES, the chief executive salesperson, right. then you're going to have a company that fails. Right. If you don't know how to sell or and the owner is not as enthusiastic or the most enthusiastic, you're doomed for, to failure. Well, that brings up another fascinating show. We have a couple shows tomorrow um, with uh, people who are Sandler sales trainers. Sandler is a uh, nationwide, I again, of course franchise thing and they teach yep. people who who yep. don't really like to sell how to sell i'm very familiar with that yeah. and uh, it's amazing to me how many businesses have grown and become 
successful. You know, they're still small, but they're successful. They might be three, four, five, ten million dollars or something. And they just hate selling them. They love doing it, but they hate talking about it. They hate going out and having to write an order for it here. I actually, believe it or not, I don't like cold calling, but I absolutely love meeting uh, prospects. And and I love working with the owners of companies. Mm -hmm. It's so much more refreshing because those are the, the guys and gals that will take the risks. Sometimes when you're at the chief marketing officer level or the marketing director level, those folks sometimes are afraid of their jobs. Yeah, right. And they can't take a risk. But the well, and they see you as a threat to their job rather than seeing you as a resource that right. they can guide. Oh, gee, maybe he's going to take over my job or something here. Or right. get, they'll get rid of me because they've subbed it out here now to somebody else. That's very true. So how did you come up with the LinkedIn idea? I'm very intrigued at that because we've had a couple people on different shows over the last couple of years talking about the power of LinkedIn. I've come to believe in LinkedIn even more than some of the other social mediums, Facebook, Twitter, and I think they all have their different purposes. But LinkedIn, because it is a business-only community and because people seem to not abuse it, when when I link up with somebody, I don't immediately get 500 emails from them and want to you know, unlink them or unfriend them or whatever you call it here. Um, I don't find people abusing that very often so that when I do, and I try to do the same, so when I do send out a message, about our station, looking for guests or whatnot, um, I find the response phenomenal. I really do. And, and the quality of people I get through to is generally pretty high. It's generally a, a C-level. Somebody it's the owner. It's one of the top executives. It's somebody I'm getting straight through to. Talk, talk, right. talk about that experience with LinkedIn. Well, Facebook is a cocktail party with your neighbors. Right. LinkedIn is more of a, a business event where you, you, you would go to maybe a networking event. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. So you're not really talking fun like you would at a Facebook cocktail party, but you're talking more business and you're trying to meet people. The beauty of LinkedIn is having people refer you in. Right. And the, the larger your connection base is, the more opportunities you have. And the way that they have their system set up, you have your, your connections, your connections, connections, and your tertiary connections. Right. The sweet spot is in your connections, connections. So there's several ways. What I used to do, and, and still to some extent do, is look at who my connections connections are. So then I could say, oh, I'd like to meet that person. I mm-hmm. call the connection. Hey, John, can you introduce me to um, Paul Smith? Right. Oh, sure. I'd be glad to. What do you want to talk about? And one thing that, and I do coach people on how to use LinkedIn, but you want to you want to get the person that's going to introduce you to introduce you via. Uh, phone call or a business email. Not everyone uses LinkedIn uh, as much as maybe I do. So mm-hmm. using the LinkedIn email system, it could your request to me could just be sitting there in empty zone. And what I find with LinkedIn, too, is that it's a free, once you join, it really is a free database of professionals and businesses in your area. I don't think people think of it as a searchable archive. If I want to find an attorney in Orange County, or I want to find a printer in Orange County, chances are the bigger or better ones are on LinkedIn, and I can actually go and do a search in certain parameters and find somebody, I don't know, director of sales or some marketing or something, and put in the kind of things that I'm looking for. And you can really look and identify people that you wouldn't otherwise know exist. It's more than just a yellow page. You get some idea and information about them as well. So I, I not only use it as a way to meet people, but I also use it as a way to research and uh, identify companies that I might want to talk to. Well, for me and for anybody who listens to this show that is in sales, when you have a, an appointment with somebody, the first time you're going to meet this person, look at their LinkedIn profile. Nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, they'll have a LinkedIn profile. You'll know where they went to school. You'll know what books they've read. You'll Very know good what point, right. they've had. You're not going in totally cold. You have some idea about right. who they are. That's a wonderful icebreaker to, to know all those things. So it kind of people buy things from people that they like, they get to know. Ain't it the truth, right. Yeah, so in LinkedIn helps you break all those barriers of not knowing who you're talking to. So. Well, give us then some idea. Of, did, did you put together a business plan when you did this, or did you just sort of launch in? And you, I know you worked with a business coach. Did he actually help you create a, an actual plan, or was it yeah. just sort of a, a rough sketch of what you wanted to do? No, he he bought, or he he not bought. He I, I bought actually. Uh, I believe 
I can't remember the name of it anymore. I think it's called the One Page Business Plan. I think that's the name of the book. So I did buy. Yes, it. it's it's um. Oh, we just had. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. The very famous the gazelle. Uh, the Gazelle people publishing or whatever it is, and I've just I forget the guy's name. He was just on one of our shows here. That's the I, guy that wrote that. Yeah, I used that uh, book, and I also used the coach to help me with some of the Vern Harnish. Models. Vern Harnish, that's it. Is that the name? Yeah. The, I, well, the the coach, the uh, business coach, helped me with some of the financial models, just to. What would I have to sell? What would it look like? Those kinds of things. Just right. To kind of project things out. And then, of course, you bought a franchise, so they must give you some sort of business plan or something. To, that hopefully, they do more than just draw a circle on a map and say, this is your territory. Hopefully, they... <laughs> no, no. They, they, there's a lot of support, but you have to make it happen. That's, that's for sure. Um, but they do have support. The, the, the benefit of the franchise, I don't know if you want to go down that road. Yeah, let's talk about that. Because you know, I, I can go either way on franchises. I think there's some fantastic ones out there, and I think, think there are also some that just take your money and literally do just draw a circle on the map and say, here, go, go figure it out. I'll give you the good and the bad. The good in this situation was access to creative. So I can walk into any account in the Philadelphia area, and it could be any other market too. It doesn't have to be Philadelphia. And I can say, look what creative we've produced. And it doesn't have to be creative that... I'm that you did yourself, but your team has produced, yeah. Any of the 12 offices. So that gives you a whole library of creative to show a prospect. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful thing. And creative sells accounts. Yeah, particularly in your area. That's what they're buying. They want to see... You can say I'm creative, but let me sh- let me show you rather than tell you. Exactly. Now, how? imagine how hard that would have been if I didn't have a creative team behind me, if I were just starting it with Steven Sassenda advertising, I would be right. in trouble. So that that's, so that's the great part about this particular franchise, plus the support, plus best practices among the 12 uh, franchisees. We do gather twice a year with, with, with uh, this thing called boot camp, and we talk about best practices and talk about different initiatives and such. So the support is wonderful. The thing that I don't like about a franchise, and this is important to know, mm-hmm. is I don't like being told no, and I don't like asking for uh, permission to do things. Mm. <laughs> and if, it, and I, maybe it's ego, maybe it's a business, I don't know what it is with me, but I just, and you have to get used to that, because there are rules and regulations for right. a franchise that you have to adhere to. And If nothing else, it's usually territorial rules, like you said, they'll let you go anywhere. Usually you can't go anywhere. Usually you're restricted to a certain geographic area. Well, so this, that you don't bump into the other franchisees. In this situation, um, I, I'm, my territory is the Philadelphia metropolitan area, as as um, uh, described by Arbitron, which is the data mm-hmm. source for radio. I can place business anywhere in the United States, anywhere. I just can't prospect for business in other franchise territories. Got it. So it's quite simple. I mean, and I've never run into any other franchise, so it's not a problem. But I hired an attorney to look at the uh, financial disclosure document, which I believe that's the correct term. Mm-hmm. You go to a franchise, it's called the SDD. And um, he read through the document. And I would recommend that if you are looking into a franchise to go to an attorney and have someone who knows what they're looking at, a franchise attorney, because he or she will be able to um, guide you through that document. Mm-hmm. Which is, We had a wonderful one on uh, a while ago here. Um, Mohajarian, um, uh, they f- uh, focus on, they do mostly restaurant franchises, which is where more people are typically familiar with franchises stuff. But they do all sorts of franchises, and they're based here in uh, Century City, Los Angeles. Well, all right, well, interesting. All right, well, I'm going to come back. We're going to take one last break, and I want to come back and talk specifically. Let's talk about the touchy feely stuff, the guiding principles, the what, what, uh, what part, what is your personal approach to running a business that might be different than others here. We'll talk about that more as we come back for our final session here with Steve Facenda. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. 
Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. And if you're outside of Southern California, you can go to Renaissance Executive Forums. They are the master franchisor for all of these other uh, franchised groups like Critical Mass is here in Orange County. So we're talking about franchises. Perfect time to run that commercial there. Um, you were talking about the good and the bad of franchises, but let's talk specifically about your business. What 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 sets your business apart? What what principle? Did you ever think about that, or is that just something that comes innately, your well, sort of guiding principle? I'd say that it comes innately, but to answer the question, I I like to imagine if when I'm speaking with a client or, or actually doing business with a client that I'm spending the client's money as if it's coming out of my own bank account. And okay. I think if you put it through that filter, you'll always do right by your client. You won't be so free to order that extra um, uh, gold foil on the brochures or whatever. Yeah, but I, you know, it's got to be as if it's coming out of, of my bank account because you want clients, it's hard enough to get clients, let's not lose them because of stupidity and, and you know, spending a client's money like it wasn't yours. But, you know, I, I, I use my knowledge in the industry to negotiate great media rates you know, on radio and television. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. No problem with that. But I also put our campaigns through the litmus test is if I owned this business, would I want to do this campaign? Not only would I spend the money if it were my money, but would I want to do the campaign? And I think that's important because you have to believe in what you're you're telling your clients you have to and if you don't believe it then don't tell them that now that already sounds totally different than most ad agencies i've ever seen because most ad agencies i'm going to be kind of hard on them they seem to they're like attorneys they want to run the bill up yeah no they want to add to things they don't want to do it cheaply and and in fact I'll, i'll dig a little deeper one of the things i think that is ad agencies are struggling with is this whole phenomenon of social media they don't want to put together youtube videos they don't want to manage your blog they don't want to help you utilize linkedin and twitter and other things like that because it's too small there's no money in it well i look at it if i'm not getting you results then fire me Mm -hmm. because that's why you hire me to to get you results now there are occasions where you want to hire an agency to brand your product maybe it's not direct results but the mediums that we use most are television and radio, which are two direct results mediums. Right. For the main, for the most part, you you know you use them to get people to call a number, come into your store, get them to product. take action. Right. Right. So, w- one other thing that we do too is I, I like to push the clients to greatness in terms of the sound. Yeah. Well, I'm quite surprised on how many clients discount. They focus more on the media buy than they focus on the creative. Totally opposite. You have to focus on the creative. That's the most important thing to get. I'm with you. They just they just want to get something on there. It's like people fill, that take out an ad in the newspaper, and then they try and fill it up with every little square inch of right. stuff they can cram in there. Not good advice. Let's get the creative right, and then let's go out to the marketplace and let people see the creative. That's, that's the goal. So we do try to push the clients to be the best that they can be. They're writing the checks, so they have every right to push back. But I, I, when I have discussions with clients, I'm, I tell them right up front, I am probably going to push you because that's why you hired me. You hired me for my opinion, to be honest, to be frank, not to be a yes man, but to give you an honest, intelligent opinion. I'm always going to do that for them. Boy, too many ad agencies just tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, boy, you watch Mad Men. I love watching that show. And how many times they say, oh, my God, this is what the guy wants. And, and that Peggy or whatever the creative person is, she screamed, but that won't work. And he says, I don't care. That's what the client wants here. Well, sometimes you do have to determine how to pick your battles and how Yeah, you clearly. I mean, you, you know, it's their money. But uh, so often I've had that debate, and it's like, you know, you brought me in because you thought I had some sort of expertise you don't have. Try want, let's, let's at least try listening to me, and then if that doesn't work, we'll go back to your plan here. 
Well, that's the difference between talking to an owner and talking to a marketing uh, CMO or, or director. Right. And, and I don't mean to be disparaging against marketing CMOs, but owners will take risks. Owners will listen to you for the most part. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Well, and they'll trust their instincts. They had an instinct in hiring you, so they're going to give you a certain amount of rope and leash and see what you can come up with here before they yank back here. Exactly. All right. Well, um, fascinating stuff here. Um, it sounds like it's been successful for you. It sounds like it continues to grow. You're adding people. You're uh, adding to your uh, profitability. You've been around a couple of years here. Um, what would you tell others who are in the same situation right now? They're sitting in some job right now. Maybe it's a well-paid job, but they're saying, is this all there is to life? Is this what I'm going to do for the next 20 years here? What would you say to them? I would say step number one is make sure your financial house is in order because you you certainly do not want to take a risk and not think about the consequence to you, your family. And simple things like, do you have a home equity line of credit against your home if you own a home? Mm -hmm. If you don't, get one now before you leave your job. You're not going to get one after you leave your job. Yeah, that's true just as an insurance program, just in case it doesn't work out as you wanted it to. And I would say explore it and go for your you know, go for your dreams. Find out what makes you happy and you're good at and stop chasing the money because the money will come. People, it's so sad to see all these people. Money follows passion. It really does. And too often we don't see it that way. No. People chase money. And, you, and we all know them. We see them every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm reminded of years ago when I was in the entertainment industry and I um, uh, watching Dustin Hoffman accept his Academy Award for, I think it was for Rain Man. This had to be back in the 80s. And he stood up and he looked around and he said, you know, I want to thank you for this award, but I would have done this anyway because I love it. <laughs> you know, I didn't do this to win an award. I didn't do this to make a million dollars. I got into this because I love doing it. And even if I hadn't been successful, I'd still be doing it. Right. All right, well, good good advice, and uh, good luck in your continued growth and success. I'm going to send you Charlie Bennett's um, email address in case you want to use voiceover talent in Philadelphia. He's right there, and he's certainly one of the best. Uh, we've certainly had a lot of success using him and very reasonable. And So I'll put you in touch with Charlie if you're interested here. Yes. That would be great. And um, how do people get in touch with you if they want to if they want to find out more about your services? Uh, it's easy. You can go directly to the Philadelphia website, which is www.viamark v i a m a r k Philadelphia dot com. Viamark dot com forward slash Philadelphia. Or 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 viamarkphiladelphia.com. You could put it all together. Either way, you'll get to the website. Ah, okay. All right. The one I'm looking at, they had viamark.com forward slash Philadelphia. Okay. okay. That, that gets you there, too. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us here today. I'm always interested in new ideas, particularly ones that have to do with uh, marketing and advertising. I think the whole industry has been in turmoil for a while, and it's... It's a it's a fluid industry right now. There are there are lots of interesting, innovative, new models being explored, and it sounds like you guys on the East Coast have come up with one I never heard of before. Well, it was a pleasure being on the show, Paul. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, that's uh, we've been talking with Steve Facenda, president of Viamark Advertising in Philadelphia. Uh, stick around for more um, interesting programming coming up right after this. You've been listening to Critical Mass, coast to coast, right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.